Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Yurich. I am the founder of 1000 Hours Outside and here today with an author and and actually she's so much more but just had a book come out just a few months ago in May. Sandy Schwartz, welcome. Hi, it's so great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this book. Like we just talked a minute ago, it's a, it's a hefty one. So you really get your money's worth. There's so many ideas in there and it's so well researched. Um, you just came out with this book. It's called Finding Eco-Happiness, Fun Nature Activities to Help Your Kids Feel Happier and Calmer. Who doesn't want that, right? It's a beautiful, it's a big, it's a big book. There's, like I said, it's just so much in there. So um, you are a journalist specializing in parenting, wellness, and the environment. You've written Chicken Soup for the Soul, Scary Mommy. You've written a lot. Very Well Family, among other publications. Um, and you founded the Eco Happiness Project to help families build a nature habit to, a habit to feel happier and calmer by exploring positive psychology tools through engagement with nature. You've held communications positions at the United States Environmental Protection Agency and Natural Academy of Sciences. You have a master's. You, you're accomplished, Sandy. This is a lot. Good for you. I got. I love these because it's like you have grabbed hold of life. You have a master's in government with an environmental focus from John uh, from Johns Hopkins, specialization certificate and foundations of positive psychology from University of Pennsylvania. Um, you're involved in environmental and writing organizations, including the Children in Nature Network. That's Richard Louves, right? Yes. Um, American yeah. Society mm-hmm. of Journalists and Authors, Sierra Club, and more. I mean, this is fantastic. Plus. You have a companion children's book to finding eco-happiness called Sky's Search for Eco-Happiness, as well as a coloring book. Exactly. Yes, we're going to spread eco-happiness. That's (laughs) fantastic. Well, good for you. So tell us about your path to this book. Great question. So basically, um, I was just one of those stressed out kids, um, struggled with stress and anxiety all through my childhood, college years, uh, into my adulthood. And on the same parallel path, I've been an environmentalist and that really kicked off. uh, I like to talk about that uh, transformational moment um, in 10th grade when I cleaned up a polluted uh, local river in my New Jersey town and I joined the Nature Defense Club and I used to teach about recycling and that became my passion. I went on actually to write my college essay about that um, cleanup experience And then I went on to be, you know, environmental studies major and really back then originally I thought I was going to be an environmental lawyer. And ironically enough, I wanted to focus on water rights issues in the Southwest because I had this like dream of going to like Arizona and now it's like such a crisis out there. So I must've had a premonition Mm. back then because, you know, they're, they're really struggling. And I recently wrote a a couple articles about that. So it's interesting how, Mm. how that came full circle, but, um, basically I also, um, struggled a lot with infertility Hmm. and to become a mom. And so the anxiety really heightened during that time, um, during trying to get pregnant and then postpartum anxiety was really bad for me. And I, and I went through this process of trying to search, um, you know, doing a lot of research on how to feel better Hmm. without just a pill, right. I wanted to find the natural uh, ways to calm myself. And so that led me, um, to positive psychology, things like mindfulness, gratitude practice, volunteering, and nature, spending time outside, having a sense of awe for nature. And, um, you know, I, I was writing about all of that in a, in a broader sense and realized, you know, I was going to really, it made sense to go back to my roots and niche down and focus on that intersection 
of nature and mental health. I, I really felt like that was where we need, I needed to be, um, to spread the message about that. And a lot of people need the help now. Mm-hmm. I, I love that your story really intersects even with all these chapter titles. You give a little mm-hmm. snippet of your story and you see it all through these titles. You know, you have a chapter on volunteering, you have a chapter on on gratitude, you have a chapter on how nature heals. And so it's so neat to have that perspective and that background that this is your story interwoven and this is your life's journey and the things that you've learned through hardship. Exactly. Um, the idea that you know, this, I wrote the book I needed the most. Um, and I also feel like this is um, a handbook I wish my parents had, you know, when they were raising me. And so I figure there are other parents out there that could, could use this um, yeah. and grandparents and teachers, you know, the book is officially a parenting book, but I really think it applies to everybody, all ages and all Absolutely. kinds of caregivers. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, because you have, um, you know, grandparents and people in all different age brackets from children all the way through end of life that are gaining these benefits from nature. You do such a great job of telling what nature does for us. What are some of your favorite benefits of just getting outside? Well, I personally, you know, go on a lot of walks. That's how I kind of clear my mind. And um, the bird song, the birds chirping is really what gets me every time. Like I just love to tune into that. Um, and, you know, especially during the pandemic, I feel like the birds were louder. There are more of them. Hmm. And so I really now always try when I hear the birds, I, you know, that I'm, I'm very attracted to that. And there's a lot of research that shows that bird songs actually like the, one of the most soothing sounds that, that we hear. It's fascinating. The other thing I enjoyed learning about were the patterns in nature called fractals and that, you know, our, our eyes and our minds are just naturally attracted to these patterns. And we find them, you know, in the swirls of a shell mm. or the, the lines of the tree bark, the leaves, all these patterns that are kind of fascinating. And when you think about it, humans that try to repeat, you know, in their own art and, and construction, but, you know, they're just there for us to enjoy naturally. Yeah. I, um, I had written down what you wrote about birding because I thought it was really fascinating listening to birdsong can help restore attention and decrease stress. You, you said it, but it's even more relaxing than a meditation app with a, mm-hmm. with a human um, voice. And then you had a quote in the book from someone who really was interested in birding. And they said, my breathing rate slowed. I closed my mind to repetitive thoughts and feelings. I thought that was a huge statement to know that, like you said, that there are these alternative paths that can help us with things that we're struggling with. Birding is really popular. Um, we had this company reach out that sells birdseed. And um, and in this initial conversation, they said, I thought this was really funny. They said, birding is the number one outdoor leisure activity besides walking. <laughs> so then oh, I thought, wow. well, that's a, but that's kind of a weird statement because really it's the number two activity then. <laughs> you know, oh. I like, you know, to say it's number one besides this. <laughs> That's really funny. Okay. I'm going to start, I'm going to start talking like that. Like my book is number one besides that one. <laughs> besides these 1000 books. <laughs> I'm not number two. I'm number one. Besides, if you take that out of the equation, but the point being funny. is that birding is really on the rise and across demographics, I think was the point. And so I like that you even had in the book, you you have um, such a good mix of science and your own experiences, and then also just a a whole plethora of ideas. So I even liked, you know, here's a list of some of the birds to be aware of, you know, and I thought that was a really cool 
part two, maybe those would be the ones where you start to sort of learn their songs. Yeah. And that's some, that some are more appealing and soothing than others. I thought that was fascinating too. Yeah, it is for sure. You talk um, in the book about being around water and how um, being around water can calm our bodies and minds. Can you talk about that blue spaces? Yeah. And there's a great book, um, you know, part of, again, I just want to highlight is my role in this whole world of, uh, you know, putting this book together was to bring together all, all the practitioners and experts out there, because that was really my goal. I felt like I was finding all this amazing information, but it was so like here, there and everywhere, you know, and I wanted it all in one place. And so um, Blue Mind is a book that is 100% all about the benefits of water. It's like the only book out there just about that. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he did tons of research. And then of course, you know, we see other research like from Children Nature Network and others that water is extremely soothing. Um, and, and we're, you know, appealing when you think about you know, where do people choose vacations and it's often at the lake or the ocean, everyone wants to go to the beach. And so it's, and why is that? And, you know, the reasons the color blue is known, you know, psychologists have studied it. It's one of the most blues and greens are the most soothing colors. You have, you know, the, the horizon that you can stare at and kind of be in awe of, um, the way the, the sun, sun will sparkle on the water, just like attracts us and it, and it just calms us down. And then this idea that, um, you know, being in water and floating and feeling free and light kind of like a bird. Um, mm-hmm. And then the fact that we started out that way in our mother's womb, they think that that may wow. be both the feeling that that lightness feeling and also the, the whoosh sound of the water and the, wow. the repetition. Yeah. It's really, really interesting that, to discover that. That is fascinating. And you have great information in there about how um, it decreases cortisol, the stress hormone, being in and around. So you don't even have to be in. You're just around it. More serotonin, more oxytocin, more dopamine. And um, these are all things, uh, or endorphins, these are all things that, that we're looking for. And nature provides yeah. them. Yeah. And, you know, to me, I've had experiences swimming. I find that swimming is very meditative. It, it you know, shuts out the outside world. And you kind of see differently out there, you know, definitely wear goggles so you can look under, you know, whether it's a pool or, or, you know, a natural body of water, I feel like it's just fascinating. And I've done float therapy as well. Hmm. Which I've is seen lit- those. Is it? Well, I've seen, um, I've seen those advertised or maybe not even advertised, but people talking about them that uh, it's just a small amount of water and it's buoyant mm-hmm. and you kind of lose yourself in there. Yeah. I, it's like being on a cloud. That's how it felt to me. And, but you can, you know, kind of what I, you know, I talk about that from like a, it's like a medical, you know, it's actually, you know, it's spas or there's places you can go, you know, specifically for kind of medical benefits, Mm -hmm. you know, float therapy centers. But I also say, you know, you can um, enjoy floating as well, you know, in your pool or in in the ocean, you know, get your kids kind of to learn how to float on their back. You know, it's a great skill to have anyway, but it's also very relaxing. So yeah, it's interesting because I did read that and I thought, oh, I should float more. (laughs) You know, you never think Mm -hmm. about that, you know, that that's something that we should increase in our life. I actually used to teach swim lessons Hmm. uh, for several years in college. And that is the first, um, through the American Red Cross, their program, that is one of the first things that you do. And I remember, you know, saying to, I had hundreds of children that came through, 
you know, that they would lay their head back on my shoulders, you know, take a deep breath and relax. And, exactly. and that's what they're doing. And, and they were, you know, it was really sweet, you know, lift your belly up to the sun, these different things. And it is very relaxing. So that's such a small snippet, but can, but can be so instrumental. And uh, so it's in my mind now, Sandy, I am going to float more. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you brought up with with the um, with seeing the horizon, the awe and gratitude, and that was one of my favorite chapters in your book. You wove it together so beautifully, and I I haven't talked to many people about this as it relates to nature and as it relates to our well being. This fact that nature moves us to these places of awe and gratitude, and how that helps us in our life. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Awe is very fascinating and the science around it is new. And there aren't too many specialists. Like Dacker Keltner um, from UC Berkeley is really the guru on that topic. And, you know, I've heard him speak wow. um, several times, not in person online, but um, so I really, you know, loved his research on that. But essentially, awe is this feeling that's very hard to describe because it kind of combines lots of our emotions and it, it could be nature, but it could be uh, f- watching fireworks, um, looking at the stars, mi- watching a magic show. I think that's a great example, a science experiment, something that just gets your attention, your focus, and you're so just, you know, kind of an amazement, like, how is this happening? How is this mm-hmm. possible? You know, looking at a bird flying in the sky, like, how are they doing that? We can't fly. And what it does is it stimulates things like curiosity, changes your perspective, and makes you kind of get out of that cycle of worry. So, you wow. know, when you're looking at something that's awe-inspiring, there's no way that you can be anxious at the same time. That's what they found. So I think that's why I've talked a lot about, you know, find like I've written a blog post and stuff about, you know, finding places and ways to provide all experiences to your kids. Because sometimes we do have to, you know, be, um, you know, we have to create it or we have to, we have to, you know, find it ourselves, not necessarily, you know, it sometimes it just happens naturally, but I'm saying like, you know, if you're on that drive home from school and you see the rainbow pointed out, or, mm. you know, that's one way that's sort of in our daily routine, but make sure like when you're choosing weekend activities or they call it all occasions, a vacation that, that involves awe and involves nature, you know, like going to the Grand Canyon. Like I remember in high school, those experiences are important for us to, in a sense, manufacture for our kids, but then it will become natural for them as mm-hmm. well. Cause they'll understand it and they'll have their eyes open to it. And kids tend to have more awe experiences than adults. Hmm. You know, we, we, we are, you know, busy working and not really paying attention to the world around us and in, in a curious eye like children. And so we need to work on that a little bit better too. And, and, you know, put effort into finding awe because hmm. it makes us feel better. Well, we can follow their lead, which is that's, that's a really neat concept that if they're better at it than us, then we can, you know, if they find something that's fascinating to them, it's a reminder for us to slow down. I like what you said about manufacturing it. I mean, it's not that necessarily we're even making it, but we're just putting them in an environment where there's more chance for that to happen. I was talking to um, the, it's a concept that's come up a lot recently are youth sports. So all of a sudden I have people reaching out that are involved with youth sports and 
they've written books or or have these different ideas and this thought that we're spending a whole lot of our time in youth sports fields, you know, in these flat fields where there's not much going on. And I think that this point of awe and gratitude would be another notch in the belt of, you know, why we should make sure that we're balanced there because we want to be seeing these things that grab our attention. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, a lot of kids, right, they spend a lot of time outside in these manufactured fields. And if they're already outdoorsy and they enjoy running around, you know, sprinkle in some something, you know, like a hike or a bike ride right. in the woods or, you know, some of the, that, that, you know, to change up the environment for them. Right. And, and they really do notice much more than we do. And to listen to them, to watch them and to follow their lead, like you said. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness. So you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last minute get together recently and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside120. Yeah, it's interesting because we've been on this journey of being intentional about nature time for over a decade. And for the most part, we've done a couple, you know, we have, I try, I'm always actually looking back at my old vacations because I'm trying to find content for Instagram. (laughs) So you're like always looking back at the cool things that we've done. And it's just a handful, really. You know, maybe we've gone to five cool places or something. You always think it's more. And then you look back like, oh man, (laughs) I got to get it in gear here. These kids are growing up, but For the most part, the things that we do are very local to us. And what's interesting is that in 10,000 hours of spending time in nature, 
there's not been one time where I've regretted it. And in fact, I always it always kind of is intriguing to me that there's always at least something you see a sn- we saw one time a snake that gave birth to live young, which I didn't even know was a possibility. Um, and then we learned about it after. You know, we're walking wow. down a path, and here's and it's a path we've walked so many times. And you know, and one time you see that, and the next time there's water, you see swans. It's just an. I think there should be a word for that. That there's always something. There's there's never nothing. You know, and it's just this weird. It feels very. Um, uh, like sporadic and yet it it always seems to be something there that captures our attention well well i mean nature is just always doing its thing yeah right i mean i was astonished to find out we one time um learned about um how the hurricane came and destroyed this area in puerto rico but then they showed us how um, the, the tropical rainforest was revived itself and wow because i was so devastated and you know Oh, this poor area with the hurricane. And then it was like really fascinating to see that this was a natural process actually. Hmm. And, you know, they started with like the dust in Africa and how it worked its way across the Atlantic wow. ocean. And, and then how, yeah, this, this natural revival of, 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 uh, you know, and the flourishing of the, the greenery and the trees and, and, and then how the wildlife came back. And it was just like, wow, nature just keeps moving. It keeps yeah. going. And and for whatever reason, there's enough of these random things in all of our time outside. We found a walking stick once, one time. And those are so cool. And so you're just, it's so random feeling, but yet it works. And I think that this, this thought of occasions and this thought of knowing that that's important for all of us is such a big deal. I thought when you talked about gratitude, because you weave them together so well, you say gratitude can help us feel feel more awe. For our family, when the kids were younger, especially, I took a lot of pictures when we were out and about during our day. And then because it was also kind of stressful, because when you have little ones, it is stressful innately. They're just, they're upset about things. And and so you're sort of dealing with the stress of them and nature's helping in some ways, but there's these hard edges, right? And then mm-hmm. at night, they would go to bed and I would look through my photos of the day. And you always only take photos of the good or, the good moments, right? And so I would feel this immense sense of gratitude. And even with 1,000 hours outside, you know, at the end of the month, I always look back, what did this month consist of and how much were we out? And it really brings a lot of feelings of gratitude. That's what that made me think of. I, I love so many of your your statements in here. When we count our blessings, you talked about this earlier, we interrupt the cycle of pessimistic and fearful thoughts. So I definitely think this is a chapter for people to read. Yeah. And I thought it was really fun because I first learned about gratitude practice in a very general way. Mm-hmm. And I decided to say, you know, I pulled it in from nature, you know, the nature lens and looking at it specifically. And I found with, you know, with my own anxiety that that gratitude practice, like the three, you know, finding three things at the end of the day that you're grateful for, it really does help you because you can have the worst day. And if you can force your mind, because, you know, I just kind of have the genetic mind, you know, long <laughs> father, grandmother, you know, that kind of like automatic go to the negative. And so mm. it takes a lot of like cognitive behavioral changes to, wow. to shift that thinking. And so part of that is saying, stopping and saying, okay, I had a terrible day, but 
these three things were good and I'm grateful for them. Mm. And so we can do that with nature. You know, it's so easy. Um, we saw that, that beautiful butterfly, you know, it rained all day, but at the end we saw the rainbow, you know, and it really shifts our thinking. And again, it's hard to be focused on the negative and the stress. If we, if we pull out the positive tidbits. I want to read two things in here that I wrote down because I thought they were fascinating. Our nervous system reacts in the opposite way to awe than anxiety. Wow. These are huge things. Awe reduces the level of pro-inflammatory proteins called cytokines, maybe. I pronounce that right? Cytokines. Cytokines. They cause our immune system to work harder. So awe causes an immune response. This is Mm -hmm. fascinating, Sandy. Yes. (laughs) This is important because high levels of cytokines I don't remember what we said, but they ca- they can cause illness. So I just really got a whole lot out of that chapter. Things that I've not heard other people talking about. And like you said, it is a little bit of a newer science, but it's just another reason to get our kids interacting with nature. Now you have great ideas about how to bring nature indoors because people do have some constraints. Sometimes they have a lot of constraints depending on where they live and their work situation. And, you know, maybe they're in an apartment and it's not safe to send their kid out by themselves. And so there's all sorts of different variables there. But well, you talk about virtual reality nature, I mean, mm-hmm. this is interesting. And then bringing nature indoors and you have such a great list of ideas, but can you remind us or, or, or tell us, you know, this works too. Yeah. I really didn't want to leave any stone unturned with, with my research. And I wanted this to be accessible to every type of person, whether they lived in a, in New York city or mm-hmm. on a farm, whether they, you know, even think about, you know, a lot, there are plenty of people who are not into the outdoors. They feel like they can't have the access or, or any interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, they worry about, you know, their fi- finances, lots of barriers. I point out lots of barriers. You know, it's so simple. If you have a window, take a moment and look out the window, you know, even on a snowy day, a rainy day, I wanted it. I wanted their people to really learn how to build a nature habit, no matter where they are, no matter the weather, no matter their situation, no matter their time constraints. Um, you know, I talk, there's a lot of importance of taking a break from your work, whether it's kids, you know, in school or, you know, adults when they're working all day on a computer to get up. I mean, they tell us to get up every hour anyway, for mm-hmm. physical well-being. So go step outside look out the window, see what you can see. I mean, you know, I've stayed in, in hotels in New York. You can see even from your New York, you know, unless yeah. you're facing a brick wall, you know? So, um, and then there's of course, lots of places you can go. Um, again, like local occasions or whatever that are indoors as well, that still connect you to nature. Right. And every city has science museums. Um, an aviary is really cool. We, it was a rainy day on, uh, we were on vacation in Niagara Falls. What are we going to do? And we found an aviary. And at first mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? Like some indoor, like, is this going to be cheesy? It was an amazing experience. We saw wow. birds that we've never seen before. And they were up close. We got to feed them. It was just this like indoor oasis of incredible birds. So, you know, look for something like that to do nature centers, Um, anywhere that you, again, are connecting nature art, you know, Mm -hmm. you can on a, on a nice weather day, you can go and collect, you know, if you're at the beach shells, you know, feathers, whatever you can find on the ground, right. We're not picking other people's flowers, but whatever you find on the ground, collect it, you know, keep it handy. And then when it's raining or snowing and you're stuck inside, make it some nature art, right. Mm -hmm. Or take pictures and make a slideshow. It's okay to involve technology because, 
That's what our kids are growing up with. So I kind of like, I leave the options open for everybody. To, so they have, you know, no matter what their kids are interested mm-hmm. in, um, what resources they have, they, they can find some way to connect yeah. to nature. I like what you say. It's okay to involve technology because that is actually my story. I mean, that's what I was saying at the beginning, which was that, you know, I would take these photographs and that, that would give me gratitude at the end of the day. And it, it was what it felt like, Sandy, was it felt like a gift. I would get home, mm. you know, we have our evening, we're getting kids to bed. And then like, oh, I got this gift mm. waiting for me. I get to go back and look at these photographs from the day. And, and so, you know, certain people wouldn't be into that. I always would wonder, like, no one else is taking as many photos as I am. That's my thing, you know, and I know a lot of people. And then my photos are not good either. It's not like I'm, you know, uh, it doesn't matter, though. It, that felt mm. like a gift to me. So I like what you said about, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. And you talk about even in your own home. These are these are great pieces of information. Collect gorgeous pieces um, of art from um, art or from famous photographers and display them in your home. Decorate your home with awe-inspiring images of nature. Um, add plants. I always kill my plants. I'm not good at that, but I do like that. I idea. am not either, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> See, but some people like, are. Some right. people are, That's you know. Point, yeah. And and so you find your thing. I like how you say watch nature shows, watch nature movies. Watch Mm -hmm. documentaries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Include pictures and objects of nature that are green and blue in your house. Play nature sounds, especially at bedtime. Mm -hmm. So these are such, they are such accessible ideas. And and we find, the point is, like you're saying, is we find the ones that really touch our soul and touch the souls of our family and and we can implement them indoors and get so many of those benefits. I think that's probably also good advice for a teacher in a classroom setting. Mm-hmm. You know, those kids are inside a majority of the day. But if these things are beneficial, let's play some nature sounds or put up nature photos or things like that. Or take a moment, you know, take a mindful moment and go walk to the window or get outside. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot. We would love to see more outdoor classrooms. Um, there's just so many benefits, both emotionally and academically. I mean, kids' test scores are higher if they have a view of greenery. Wow. Um, you know, it, it's really, that is something that we need, the society needs to work on more in, this, in the United States for sure, because that could really help kids. Yeah, that's you know, very powerful. So I have this um, sentence highlighted. It was in your chapter on, there's a whole chapter about outdoor play. Mm -hmm. which of course I was drawn to that one, right? All right, (laughs) this is great. Outdoor play and adventure. So here's the sentence. It says, messiness is therapeutic and helps Mm. kids deal with perfection issues. Boy, I I needed that. I needed that when I was part of my, I'm a perfectionist for sure. Yeah, I've not heard people talk about that. You know, you know, we always Mm -hmm. say you're getting these reminders, the dirt will wash off the memories last a lifetime, the dirt will wash off that type of thing. So people are talking about it. But I've never heard anyone say messiness is therapeutic. And that reframes my mind as a parent when our kids are getting messy. Well, it reframed my my mind as a parent, too, because, you know, it, it was the idea of also worrying about them falling and getting hurt. It's like that whole concept of of, if you know, being in that box of, yeah, worrying and concern and not being like free to just play and roam. And I mean, the kids today just aren't doing that. 
And, and, you know, we certainly did, at least, you know, I did where we would play out in the backwoods, you know, for hours. And I, I still wonder, did my mom even know or care where I was uh, riding my bike, you know, to other neighborhoods across highways. And I'm like, what, what is going on? I mean, we just are my generation. I'm, I'm going to be 45 soon, actually in a few days. Um, and we just grew up in a different time in the eighties um, and early nineties with that, that freedom. And, you know, for some reason we're raising our kids in the opposite way. Mm-hmm. And so if they can, you know, they get hurt. Okay. If they get dirty. Okay. Um, my daughter, actually, she's a sleepaway camp and just had, she was doing the ropes course and she loves the ropes course. And she actually slipped. It was a shame. It was like the first week of camp. Mm-hmm. And she slipped and really hurt her hands like um, rope burn. And, you know, of course, my instinct was, oh, my gosh, I have to go get her and bring her home. And like she, you know, but she stayed. She's at overnight camp for seven weeks and she's toughed it out. And now she's healed 100 percent. She's back to doing all the sports she loves. I don't know. I'm very curious to find out if she'll ever do the ropes again. I I think they should be wearing gloves, maybe because Mm -hmm. I was pretty bad injured. But, um, you know, she, that taught resilience and, you know, that's a, it's a great point because I don't feel like I was given those experience. I did not go away to camp and and have that. And so, yeah, I'm a big proponent, even though I was reluctant and, you know, very worried to send my kids away. It really, and I write in a whole essay about that. It really is giving them, um, a better life than I had for sure. More experiences. That's interesting. I, um, you know, to prepare for the podcast, I, I get to read a lot of books, which is awesome because I love to read. And so I was, um, I had Dr. Peter Gray on a while back and he wrote that mm. book, Free to Learn. And yes. sometimes, you know, you're trying to get ready and you're limited on time. And and so I'm always a little, um, there's like a little bit that's like, well, just skip some, you know, just skip the end, you know, you've read enough. And at the end, and, and I learned to not actually through his book, because at the end of his book, he talks about um, how his son went to Europe by himself, uh, type one diabetic for two weeks, I think uh, when he was 13. Oh my. Wow. Oh my. I know. <laughs> you know. And then you think I, I actually read it. We had, um, we're here in Michigan and there's a theme park near us in Ohio called Cedar Point and it's all enclosed, you know, there's a, a Cedar Point, right? So I had a, last year, our oldest was 13 and we don't have, um, cell phones yet for our kids. So we're at Cedar Point and everyone's splitting off, you know, and the kids are going, the teens are all going together and the adults are with the little kids, you know, and here I am and I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what he's doing. I wish I could get a hold of him. And I'm all these things. I wonder if he's eating lunch. Does he have enough money? All these things that you're thinking, is he okay? And then I, and then I read that book from Peter Gray and, and I was like, okay, I need to calm down because he, his son went to Europe and this was in the eighties. He bought the ticket he figured out where they just dropped him off at the airport, Sandy. And wow. I think he said they talked to him maybe once or twice while he was there because it was you had to call collect. Wow. There's no GPS. And that was in the 80s, huh? Yeah, yeah. it was different then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we used to go to the movies in the mall and there was no cell phone. And we would, I don't even know how we met up with our friends. Even in college, we didn't have the cell phones. I don't know how somehow I ended up where I needed to be with, with everybody. How did we survive? That's interesting. But you know, this, this is a whole, the things in your book, it's, it's a reframe, right? So we look at risk and we say, Oh, okay. It's okay. But no, it's good. 
we look at something like boredom, you know, and we're moving from like, oh, it's okay to, oh, no, 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 that's really good. And so this did the same thing with being messy. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, I can, it's okay. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, this is a really good thing. This is offering benefits. So you say kids need to be able to be messy because it's helping them deal with perfection. Well, in the soil, you know, did you read that part? I mean, yeah, because I have that one highlighted too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, soil itself. Now they're finding that, um, it's actually could calm us down, you know, that the bacteria in it, um, and that they're even studying it, like to make a pill from it, you know, an anti-anxiety pill because soil has a natural calming way. So you're like, okay, you know, do I, I need to go outside and, and, you know, and you, we always wash, wash our produce so carefully and then maybe we shouldn't, I mean, not, you know, it has to be organic and then, <laughs> Not the we want the pesticides off, but um, you know that that concept. Like, I wonder if we'll move back to to that. You know, when they really, you know, this is again kind of new science. I don't think you know, the general public under you know understands it yet. But we may get to a point where they're like, "Well, stop washing your fruit if it's organic, because you want those. There's a good, <laughs> enriching aspects of it that you want on the skin." So. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about then too, because because it makes you think more about well, what grew in the soil, right? So these different root vegetables. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder, especially if you're growing them them yourselves, the beets and the carrots and the radishes. Those are all having the benefit of growing in that soil and having bits of that soil on when you pull them out of the ground, and that's. I tell you what, we planted potatoes and we it was a fight in our family who got to dig them up. I mean, between adults and kids. Like <laughs> like my my husband, I'm like, no, like Josh, you gotta stop. Let the kids, you know, dig the potatoes. I felt it too. You you it's so exciting. You don't know how what its shape it's gonna be and how many are gonna come up on the thing and they're all connected. And I had no idea. So gardening mm-hmm. is definitely a place where you find awe and you find gratitude and all these things really intertwine. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that there's this layered multitude of benefits to some of these activities that we can do. I have underneath messiness is therapeutic. Uh, you talk about gardening. Gardening teaches us about acceptance. And then you have this statement, which I've never heard before. Being a control freak is one of the major causes of unhappiness. Yeah, <laughs> right here. <laughs> Perfection, control. Yeah, like I said, I wrote this book because I needed it. Mm-hmm. Um Yes. So these activities, like floating as well, right? When you're floating, you're letting go. Mm. So you're losing control. A lot of nature, what nature can offer is that ability to to chill out and to enjoy the moment. Yeah. Mindfulness really is that thread. I noticed like kind of towards the end of, of the writing and the research that mindfulness was important to all of these aspects. You know, we can talk about it, you know, alone, but it's really all of it matters whether it's creative arts or um, going on a walk. If you're just going on the walk, that's great. But if you're mindful and you're engaged and you're really listening and you know using all your senses, it's going to be even more beneficial. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. 
Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. I like how it sort of reminds you that there's life lessons all around us. So in the garden, that would be um, a place where you learn that there are different outcomes and that's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. So, or for example, what would be a good example? Like we did tomatoes and they attract these hornworms. So gardening is actually a new thing for our family. It's been interesting to sort of step into it and and try things out. So, and to not know, you don't really know what's coming. So, you know, we've grown tomato plants and pretty much gotten zero tomatoes. I mean, they're blighted. I don't even know the different words. I don't know what we're doing. But hmm. the whole experience was still fascinating. So we went out one day and there's these hornworms. Now they're like these massive, they look like caterpillars. Maybe they are, I think they are caterpillars. This I'm telling you, I don't know anything. Um, I think they are caterpillars because I think they turn into um, a sphinx moth. They bury down in the ground, oh, wow. they cocoon in the dirt and they come out as this moth. But they're these huge caterpillars. They got a horn on them and they decimate. I mean, they decimate. Your tomato plant will be gone in a day. They're eating the tomato. They're eating the leaves. They're eating the whole thing. So in some sense, like this is a disaster. But then in another sense, like this is fascinating. They're really cool mm. looking. You try and pull them off. They grip to your finger and then they poop and their poop looks like a little black corn on the cob. So so you're out there with your kid getting no tomatoes, searching for <laughs> caterpillar poop. 
You know, this wow. is not what the expectation was, but mm-hmm. but the the life lesson there is that it doesn't have to be perfect to be positive. I wonder if those. I wonder if they're like only in your area because I have never seen that before. I don't know. I'm, I'll look into it because it's it's pretty <laughs> fascinating. So it's just a small experience, mm-hmm. you know. Look, right. you know, we we started tomato seeds in March, and then we literally ate zero tomatoes. But it, but it was still a positive experience. So this this part about acceptance and knowing right. that even with flaws, even when things don't go, even when our path veers, it can still be a good path. Yeah. I mean, and it's just like interesting to compare the experience at the grocery store and and the produce you see there to what you grow naturally. And, you know, there's the whole like world of ugly tomatoes and produce that doesn't look perfect. And then I know there's one organization that, you know. Yeah, it's called Misfits, I think. I actually think I just hmm. got a... um, I don't know if there's more than one, but I think we just got a flyer from them or something in the mail. It's a cool name. Yeah. And they take the, you know, the, the farms will give them this not so perfect looking produce and then they donate it and they use it in, um, like food banks, right? Oh, that's cool. So I think there's maybe a couple different organizations because I'm not sure if that's what this one does. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the interesting thing too about it goes back to awe? So you're mm-hmm. pulling carrots up from the ground. And then when you do that, when you garden, this is what I've realized at least, is that I used to think everything looked like a straight carrot, you know, but you get one and it looks okay. like legs, you know, or there's different reasons why they don't always grow straight down. And mm-hmm. that's fascinating. You don't know what you're pulling up from the ground. And so it goes back to that awe and the dirt and all of these different things. You talk about Mm -hmm. gardening for school kids. Uh, It reduces stress and cortisol levels of elementary school children with emotional and behavioral issues. So I've seen Mm -hmm. school gardens. You know, I've driven by and seen, I think that's such a... um, A positive thing if a school is able to to put in a small garden. And And community gardens are great as well. Oh, yeah, we have one of those. Yeah, we have one of those by us. It's so awesome. You just even drive by it, adds so much beauty to your your little city. There's a lot in this chapter about about being outside. I liked this. There was a study about a thousand people that went to a park, different kinds of parks. And that you say, Mm -hmm. no matter what type of park. So, you know, it didn't matter if it was in the city or no matter what type of park, participants felt happier as a result. And once the happiness levels went up, they stayed that way for up to four hours. Yes. Well, that's the thing. It's it's a it's a lasting and it may have been longer, right? I mean, who knows with this these studies are very specific, right? You know, right. maybe if they came back a week later or two weeks, or if they had a picture from that experience, you know, mm-hmm. and they showed the people, I bet that that they would have that, you know, kind of happiness or calmness return as well. Yeah. Well, so you have the benefit for that day. It reminded me of when our kids were younger. That's why we started to go outside in the first place because I was drowning as a mom, basically, and getting outside changed our whole experience. Um, It still does. But really during those early childhood years, when you're completely overwhelmed and you're struggling to make it through one day. So to have lasting benefits within the day is Mm -hmm. really important and meaningful. But then you also have this study out of Denmark, it says the more time children, this is a big deal because children are not spending that much time outside. The more time children spend outside, the happier they are as adults. Being surrounded by nature means a 55% lower rate of developing mental health issues later in life. It's fascinating. That's a lot. 55% less chance. And boy, do they need it now. 
right? Yeah, for sure. So that's interesting. The mental, you talk a lot about the mental health benefit. And I think knowing that how neat to have benefits that are lasting. Mm -hmm. They're not just for the moment. Can we talk about attention restoration theory? Yes. Um, Okay. How do I summarize this? Uh, (laughs) So it's the idea that they, they started with people who were, you know, stressed out and working in cities and they took them and studied them. Like they went into like the woods for a few days and they just really found how they, you know, that again, they're, they're feeling happier. They're feeling calmer. Their stress is reduced. And it's that it's a lot about focus and mindfulness and absorbing the environment that's around them, the, the nature. And it, it kind of, again, goes to all the, the multi-sensory experience. Yeah. Right. You know, how the sounds impact us, how the colors, how the, the, um, those awe experiences, the wildlife experiences, you know, Richard Louvre, um, his recent book is all about the wildlife experiences and animals. It's really interesting, you know, to think like, if you're just able to come face to face with whether it's a squirrel or a duck or a deer, And you're just sort of staring at each other, right? It kind of transports you. And so, so that, you know, restoration theory is all about, you know, essentially, you know, restoring ourselves in that natural environment that we don't have that opportunity when we're, you know, in a more urban, you know, environment or buildings or, you know, um, a structured area that's, that's human made. And, and so, yeah, it's really interesting that they discovered that that was in the 80s, I think, when they discovered it. Wow. Well, that you can be more productive in the long term if you're taking these mm-hmm. breaks because it takes you to a different yes. equilibrium. I like this concept of, well, you talked about spending time in nature. It allows you to think more clearly, feel happier, and there's a faster shift in a mood which that's a good thing to know as a parent. And we see that, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. they're like, for kids, just add water. You know, you see parents talking about that, that there are these, um, some, they don't always work, but a lot of times they work to get you out of a funk, to get you out of a bad spot, you know, to help your kids come out of a, a tantrum or hard feelings mm-hmm. that they're experiencing, you know, or for yourself that the mood shift, it's fast. I remember thinking, mm-hmm. so when our kids were little and we're trying to get outside and we had built our, you know, the way that we structured childhood, early childhood, we had built around getting outside for these more expansive periods of time, four hours, five hours. And so I would have to have a lot of stuff with me. You know, you have to have food. Um, and we started when we had three kids, so we'd have to have food, you know, and have diapers, a change of clothes, a towel. You know, when they're at those ages, water for everyone, mm-hmm. a picnic blanket, maybe a couple sunscreen. books for the baby, sunscreen, <laughs> yeah, bug spray. I mean, it was a lot, right? Wow. And so, you know, trying to get out of the house and no one can help, right? At those ages, and they're three, two, and a baby, or, you know, four, whatever, no one can help. And they're, so I'm having to do it all and, and, and juggle them while I'm trying to get them out the door, right? Get everybody in their car seats. And then, so my, my blood pressure symptoms would be pretty high because you're trying to work, you know, while also trying to meet needs and, um, mm-hmm. and that's a juggle. So, you know, we get into the car and my blood pressure, everyone's crying, you know, they all cried in the car, you know, we're driving 10 minutes up the road to a park or 12 minutes or something. And then you get there and you step out. And it's like, it's, it's an immediate shift in mood. 
mm-hmm. a lot of times. So um, it's just such a great a tool at our disposal. You have a quote in there from Adam Alter. It says, the business of everyday life is depleting mm-hmm. and what man-made environments take away from us, nature gives back. Yeah, I mean, the noises, um, the screens, you know, they, it affects our eyes. You know, there's lots of research showing that being outside also helps um, you know, develop vision and perspective and, you know, eyesight better for, for kids. And then also, yeah. like, you know, there's a lot with their um, mobility skills, being able to learn how to walk on the grass or on the rocks. Um, you know, it's just... <laughs> It's what are we are meant to to do and be. I mean, we are animals, so we're not supposed to be sitting on carpet all day <laughs> staring at screens. Right. Um, that's what what's fascinating about where we are in, in you know the timeline of human history because technology is amazing and has helped us in so many ways, but we have to balance it and remember, you know, where we come from and what our other needs are too. Mm-hmm. And like you said, when they're outside and they're doing those things, you had talked in the book about this is helping them learn to control their bodies, but also their Mm -hmm. fear. And so there are just so many benefits. Um, I love the book. And and so you have at the end of each chapter, and I love this because I love to read. At the end of each chapter, you have book lists for both kids Mm -hmm. and adults, as well as websites that are helpful. And I thought this was really neat. You had at the very end where to find citizen science opportunities. So, so tell people what are what is citizen science? Yeah, so this is what I refer to as a bridge from technology to nature. It's a great way if you're looking for kids, you know, to not just like yank their phones and and tech from them, but to to kind of ease them into getting outside. There's so many amazing programs and a lot of them are through apps now, a days, you know, used to be probably <laughs> checklists, you know, <laughs> handwritten on clipboards, but now it's all done by apps. Um, but there are government organ um, entities and nonprofit organizations, universities that are looking for science research for nature research. So like the bird counts, flower, um, bud burst, I believe is the name of it, where you're counting like in the springtime, what flowers are blooming. There's all kinds there's, you know, in there, I referenced several databases that, you know, you could spend hours just trying to, you know, find projects for all ages uh, great for a school project or a summer um, yeah. you know, experience. <laughs> I mean, they all are intriguing. I read all of them. Like the Autobahn Christmas bird count. Like, oh, I want to mm-hmm. do that. And Frog Watch USA. You know, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And the Monarch Watch. And you brought up the product project Budber. So you have, it's a great list. You know, you've done such an awesome job of providing the tools that the families need to find what suits them. Even ideas for random acts of kindness, I thought was so beautiful. So that's an awesome book, Sandy. Thank you. It was really a joy to put it together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially to find out what everybody's doing and, and to get all that information in one place. Yeah. So if um, people are interested in finding the book, and finding more about you, finding the companion um, children's book, Sky Search for Eco Happiness, where is a good place for them to go? Yes, I invite everyone to head over to ecohappinessproject.com. Tons of blog posts and articles. I have a couple of freebies as well. Uh, just from the, the homepage, there's a free quiz you can take if you don't know where to start. And that'll, um, it's a fun quiz to take about your kids' interests. And then 
you'll get an automatic, you know, email with a list of uh, nature activities based on their interests. So, you know, part of what I think is to start, I advise people to start with what your kids already love. So if they're already an adventure type, you know, you'll get a list of that. If they're an artsy type or kind of into yoga and mindfulness that way, you know, start with what they already enjoy to build that nature habit and then go from there and, and keep challenging your family. And then I also have a, a, uh, an eco happiness challenge calendar that ah, actually cool. c- came out of my personal challenge during the pandemic. In the beginning, I connected to, you'll like this cause it's kind of like your thousand hours. Um, I did 100 days consecutive of connecting to nature and I kind of put the Love highlights it. in the 30 day calendar. So. Love it. Love it. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and like we talked about, you can connect in, to nature indoors and outdoors. So it's just about being intentional of how we're sort of crafting our life. I love that. And then you're on Instagram at, at Get Eco Happiness. So on Instagram and any other spots? Facebook as well at okay. Get Eco Happiness. Yeah, Get Eco Happiness. So yeah, that's great. Sandy, I really appreciate your time. I love the book. We always end our podcast with the same thing, uh, with a favorite outdoor childhood memory of yours. I'm going to have to say the Grand Canyon because standing there, it was in high school, I believe. And standing there was, I still have that vision in my mind. I mean, it's something so powerful that you can clearly see that moment. Yeah, It, it was extremely awe-filled. I, I had this like, almost kind of like instinct that I wanted to fly over it, right? Like I wish my body could fly over it like a bird. It was just so, so powerful. And um, I really need to get back there. I need to take my kids there. Well, it's really neat, though. Like you say, I mean, that goes right in line with what you're talking about, that this that we're really um, should be prioritizing that sense of awe. We went there for the first time in the past couple years, and I just assumed it was like a hole in the ground. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I was like, oh, this is very different than what I was expecting it to be. And so same thing it does. it It just blows you away. It goes forever. So feels like what I think Mars might feel like. Yeah. That's what I thought was yeah. so cool. It didn't necessarily feel like I was on, on this planet. So. Well, you've given us so much to think about, so many things to strive for, um, and so many ways to enhance the quality of our lives. So thank you, Sandy, and thanks for spending this time with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.